Some are always looking for more sports content, and among the glut of sports media, some are looking for sports content that dives a bit deeper and doesn't just stick to sports. So check out Backpack Broadcasting's original long-form sports journalism series, Sideline Stories. The award-winning original series takes viewers directly into underrepresented communities within the world of sports. It's a series that goes beyond traditional sports reporting, like box scores and statistics, presenting exclusive stories that you won't find anywhere else. With a diverse group of correspondents, the series provides interviews and interesting stories around the world of sports, because there is so much beyond the game, and so much that occurs off the field or court that impacts each of us and the world we live in. Giving a voice to athletes, coaches, fans, and everyone involved in athletics, Sideline Stories looks to push sports storytelling further than ever before. It's a winner of the 2020 Independent Shorts Awards, and all episodes of Sideline Stories are available for viewing today on Backpack Broadcasting's YouTube channel and Facebook page. Ain't Hard to Tell podcast, episode one. 41. Mm. The name of the task force in Call of Duty. 141. We just talk about Call of Duty. (laughs) Video games early in this podcast. Shout out to to Captain Price, yo. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, Ryan's in full video game mode, which just talked to me about his PlayStation Now subscription. So now he's been gaming like crazy. We're going to be in the crib for the rest of the year, yo. I mean, winter time is going to be clutched, though, right? Yeah, I already work from home as it is, so yeah. it's like I'm either working, working out, or playing video games. You know what I'm saying? Like that's my life. Ain't 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 nothing wrong with that. All right, a lot going on um, in the world of sports. We're not going to beat up baseball this week. We're going to leave them alone uh, for once for a little <laughs> bit. But some of you guys out there were beating up women, and not physically beating up women, but you were bragging on women, hating on women rappers, and there's a lot of stuff going on now. Some of you might know what I'm talking about already. Cardi B, Meg Thee Stallion, dropped a song in a video called WAP, W-A-P. And I like. And at first, I'll be honest, made me feel a little bit old on it, but I didn't know off the top what the title meant. And then I found out, and I was like, hmm, this is interesting. I can absolutely check this out. Um, Brian, did you know what the title? Did you know what the title meant before? Uh, before you heard the song? So when I first heard about the song, I was listening to the Joe Budden podcast, I think, because I didn't even know it was coming out. Yeah. And they had they had just said the title right after. So I didn't even have time to sort of process what it stood for, yeah. or whatever the case so, may be. But to be honest with you, I don't think I would have known right away. No. OK, so I, that doesn't make me feel that bad. Now, for yeah. those who don't know, the title is for, it's called Wet Ass Pussy. OK, that's <laughs> what WAP is for. Wet Ass Pussy. And it is basically a song of. Meg Thee Stallion and Cardi B rapping about their sexual prowess, talking about how they put it on dudes, talking about how they are skilled in the bedroom. You know who's done that before, listeners? Men. Men have done this all the time in hip-hop. You know, people criticize hip-hop sometimes for being too misogynistic in certain parts and all this stuff. But nobody really seems, after men have done this for all these years, Brian, to get bent out of shape. But two women decided to do a video, which I will say... The video, if you like women uh, of a certain body type, this was definitely very appealing. Outside of college, <laughs> Kylie Jenner being in there, who had no reason to be there. It was definitely appealing to me. I was like, it looked good. The outfits look good. 
I actually don't mind the song. I think the song, the the beat knocks on the song. I like the sample. The beat is pretty. The fire, beat is dope. Yeah. <laughs> I like the sample. It's it's dope to me. I'm I'm messing with it. Cardi and, and Meg are, are rapping. Meg, I actually liked her verse more because I think she's a Same. little bit better of a rapper. But I think that they did what they came to do. They came to talk their shit and they did it. Now, Rod, did you see some of the reactions on Twitter and some of these so, places? So this is interesting because, like, I get I don't know if this I did this for like a subconscious sort of mental health break, but since like Thursday, haven't really been on Twitter like that. I was on it a little more today earlier. But I haven't really been on since the song has been out like that. So, no, I have not seen a lot of the reaction to it. Although I have my guesses as to what it could be, judging by everything that we've talked about since the song came out. And you kind of put me on to this. But, you know, I'll react in real time. Let's see. Well, some of the reactions that I saw from some men, uh, people who claim to be straight, I should be clear, be straight men here. Yeah. Um, and and in my quick searches before we started this, I did see some of that, yes. And I saw some of these straight men saying uh, they don't like WAP. To which I'm like, who's that? Yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, hadn't heard that before, but okay. Yeah. If yeah. that's how you get down, fine, whatever. Yeah. Didn't understand that. Then there was another section, I think, of men who were like, oh, these women should be doing this. This is vulgar, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, really? I would like to be very clear about where I stand with women in hip hop. And a lot of times we haven't given up. By showing you my background of Little Kim, one of the greatest albums of the 1990s. That's right. That's right. (laughs) This album cover right behind me. I remember when I got this album and I was hyped to hear this woman talking her stuff. And I thought it was sexy. Okay. Okay, so we've talked about this before. When I heard the Get Money verse for the first time when I was really, I was maybe 11, 12. When I heard her Get Money verse for the first time, I was like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So, oh. so Pete, women have. What's your have... favorite song on Hardcore, by the way? What's your favorite song on Hardcore? On Hardcore? Yeah. Um, I had a real big thing. I loved Crush on You when I was a kid. I don't know if that song is aged as well with me. Um, I think Big, Mo- big Mama thing is probably mine. Mine is Drugs. Okay. With the yeah. No, that's that's, that's a great. It's a great song. Look, yeah. Kim at the time was ultra aggressive, doing some of the stuff that we saw Megan and Cardi saying in the song. So I guess what we're both saying here is this is nothing new. Foxy Brown and Kim did this in the '90s. It was nice to see these two sisters come together and talk their stuff. And I have no problem with that as a man. And I think if you have a problem with that as a man in hip hop about the women talking their stuff, but you don't criticize the men for talking their stuff about their, what they want to do sexually, then what's wrong with you? Ask yeah. yourself why you're so mad at the ladies doing this, but you're not mad at the dudes doing this. I think it's fair to ask that question. Why? And maybe it's because you really don't like the women in the way you say that you do. That's, that's, that's my only conclusion to that. Yeah, a lot of dudes struggle with, I guess, power dynamics, relationship dynamics, even sexual relationship dynamics. Of You know, they want to be the one to be in certain positions, et cetera, et cetera. I agree. I mean, I don't think that we can be that hateful towards something like this. I mean, first of all, look at what the song is about. Like, if you're a straight man, if whatever... Why don't you like this? Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Like, if that's like, not your thing, this, that's not your this, thing, and this that's cool. literally... Yeah. This is literally... For, we're the demographic for this. You know what I'm saying? Like, this right. is for us. Two Live Crew was doing it in the 1990s. And that's the thing where I... It's not even just Two Live Crew. Literally, like, 50 Cent, uh, Jay-Z at times, Nas at times. Like, guys that we like. And this is something, like, 
I've been listening to for a long time from one side of the spectrum. The other side of the spectrum, there's like Little Kim and Foxy Brown, as you mentioned. Now we have Meg Cart. Like, if you have your issues with the song as a song, like, do you think it's not uh, not enough punchlines, not enough this, not enough that, then whatever. If it's like a musical breakdown to it, sure, but I'm not seeing that no. from the little bit that I've seen and from what you're telling me is I'm just seeing a lot of people saying women shouldn't talk like this. And it's like, it, it reminds me of like when dudes try to police women on whether or not they could have abortions. You know what I mean? Stuff that just doesn't really, like, well, we're dude, not... Dudes shouldn't be policing women on a, that, period. But right. dudes shouldn't be policing women on anything. You shouldn't, I don't think we should be, not think we should, we should not be telling women what they should do with their bodies and their choices. And then, hip-hop is supposed to be this this uh, genre of music where it's supposed to be about freedom of expression, but here we yeah. are saying, nah, women, nah. You can't express yourselves this way sexually. There has to be balance in hip hop, and I said for everything, yeah. and especially in, for the women. Now, has has the hypersexualized rap for women been always pushed more to the forefront commercially? No doubt. Have people like Rhapsody got the same commercial shine? No, and that's a fair discussion to have. But that doesn't mean that you can't like. I love Rhapsody, but I like this Megan Cardi song, and I can like both. It's possible, guys. You can still yeah. like something that's like really conscious, and you like something that's ratchet. Or it's not. I don't want to call this ratchet. This is just two women talking their shit, and I have no problem with you, that. I like you can, it. You can be enlightened and like to have sex. It's fine. Yeah. You know, like we, uh, unbelievably, we talk, you can do that. Wow. Yeah. We we because we it's funny because we we talk about things on this podcast where it's like you don't have like we we got into the whole thing last episode, right? It doesn't need to be God or science. You can do both. Right. It doesn't need to be this or that. You can do both. Like it doesn't need to be. I only like the way Queen Latifah does things, or this woman rap or Rhapsody or whomever does things, and I can't get down with Cardi B and Meg. Now Rhapsody is probably more my style as an artist lyrically, but that's just what I'm into. But that doesn't mean I can't appreciate a song like Meg and Cardi, you know, giving it up the way they did. And when, frankly, when I see them, when I see like, all right, this is going to be Cardi B and Meg, this is more or less what I expect. Right. I already know what's going to happen. Right. And I appreciate, I appreciate them for it because again, it's not a bad song. Nah, not at all. Not, a, not at all. And you know, the comments we saw from people like CeeLo Green, CeeLo Green has some comments saying we are adults. There should be a time and a place for adult content. Okay. As adults and artists, we should at least attempt to be each other's accountability partners. He had partners a radio song called some Fuck regard. You. Right. Where, where, where was the time for that, CeeLo Green? <laughs> it is disenfranchising and has caused a great deal of problems. He went on to say, you have the heads of state like Nicki Minaj or someone who is up there in accolades, success, visibility, a platform influence. Nicki could be effective in so many other constructive ways, but it feels desperate. CeeLo, is it desperate when the dudes... Talk about what they gonna do to women. How they gonna put it on women? How they gonna bag a whole bunch of women? How come it's not desperate then? Because I, know, I mean, if CeeLo Green has criticized dudes on that, then I'd say, well, he's being consistent. But I'm pretty sure that that's not what's happening. He then goes say, last thing I'll say, we'll move on. Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion, they're all more or less doing similar salacious gesturing to kind of get into position. I get it. The independent woman and being controlled, the divine femininity and sexual expression. I get it. But it comes at what cost, he concluded. Okay, what's the cost for the dudes? How many dudes have just leaned into rapping about women and or drugs? How many dudes have like literally leaned into that? Like there are people who that's all their brand is. That's all they do, right? And nobody criticizes it. Hey, I could like uh, K 
Kendrick and J. Cole, and I also listen to some Griselda, and they just be rapping straight about bricks, and I listen to that all the time, right? So not all the time, but I listen to that enough. As, as you said, Brian, you can do two things and like different things and appreciate the different storytelling. Do I think if there's one thing all the way, can that be harmful? I can understand that point. There has to be balance. But I just feel like too much of this is criticizing against women. And I think a lot of these dudes out here are telling on themselves when they act like they really like these women and care about these women when all they really want to do is smash. And I'm sorry for using the word smash, but all they really want to do is they want to have sex with them. Right. And I use the word smash in that way because I don't think they look at them as people that they can actually care for. It's just for sexual prowess. And, and I think when you also look at the women like that and when they take that and flip it the other way, that's why these dudes are like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. And that's what makes it problematic in, in, in that is they just look at them as objects for this. And when they flip the flip that and say, no, we're the ones taking the power in this. We're flipping on the, the male construct and the way to view it's on his head on his head. They're mad about that. Stop being yeah. mad. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, who doesn't like wet ass pussy? Come on. Right. Come on. Let's not dance around. You know what I'm saying? I got to dance around. Well, well, clearly there's some people who don't. They're telling on themselves a lot. There's clearly there's some people out here who saying that they don't. I'm just. Ron, I'm with you. After after asking that question, there really is nothing else to talk about. That's it. There's nothing else to talk about after answering that question. That, that, that's it. Uh, stop hating on the women. That's it. Just stop hating on women. You guys keep telling this stuff. Stop hating on the women. Meg, Megan Stallion, Cardi B, salute to you on a good song and a very nice looking video. I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate you, sisters. I appreciate you. And don't let anybody stop what it is that you're doing and using your voice. And we mean that for everything, for all the ladies out there. Don't let anybody stop you what you're doing. Let these dumb dudes try to silence you. Tell them to shut up. Backpack Broadcasting continues to bring you the best original sports content, but now you can get more of the content you love. For as little as $3 a month, you can get access to bonus content, including behind-the-scenes footage and interviews from the Sports Walk, Sideline Stories, or the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. All this exclusive content comes via Patreon. There are tiered levels of patronage, and each Backpack Broadcasting patron receives exclusive perks. Your support helps Backpack Broadcasting create more of the original content that you love. Visit Backpack Broadcasting's Patreon page and become patreon today nba uh when we talk about this part of nba this could be called the what's beef uh section of the nba um there's, there's been some stuff going on in nba that's been happening we had a little incident uh dame lillard uh your boy yeah, my, your boy. my my favorite or second favorite player in the league. Yeah, your boy Dame Willard, who I, who I like. Let's just be clear, I, do, I like Dame a lot. Yeah. Um, as a beef now with PG and one of your other boys, Pat Bev, Pat Beverly, who we yeah. know will get up in some stuff from time to time. Now Dame Willard missed two free throws at the end of a game, uh, very crucial free throws. It would have tied the game, right? Brian would have tied the game mm -hmm. uh, against the Clippers. He it was missed. a choke job. It was a legit choke job. Okay, he ch he choked. Now, Dame's not known for choking. Dame's known for sending people home. He's known for the opposite. Yeah, uh, for the opposite, yeah. being real clutch and sending people home. Now, it's context for you people. Damian Lillard, I forgot what year this is, but against Houston, hit a game-winning shot in Game 7 of the first round. 
2014, that sounds about right, six years ago. Right. Six, that's right, 2014, to send Houston home to the playoffs. Patrick Beverly was on that team. Last year, obviously, probably the greatest series-ending shot uh, ever was hit with Dame Lillard pulling up from 35 feet over Paul George and then waving by for him to go home. Also, and Paul, maybe, George, and Paul George said it was a bad shot. And Paul George said it was a bad shot, to which I'm like, <laughs> Paul George in that moment, I believe I said this on this podcast, sounded salty. Paul yeah. George sounds even saltier now, okay? Yeah. Because Pat Beverly and Paul George were clowning Dame Lillard for missing the free throws. You know, they gave him the bye wave, blah, 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 whatever. Okay, how did you feel about that, Brian? Did you think they were out of line for doing that? Uh, do you think they, they started some beef there? What did you think about all that? <sighs> Damian Lillard. So Patrick Beverly, first of all, he's excused from this equation for me because Patrick Beverly is just being Patrick Beverly. He's not doing anything <laughs> out of the ordinary, right? I, I, I don't um, disagree. I don't disagree with that. Fine. So with it, to me, it's Damian Lillard and Paul George. And I had read that – these comments have since been deleted, but they're, they have family members going back and forth yeah, all of a sudden. Yeah, I found out about that. I didn't know about that. Family members going back and forth all of a sudden. Uh, Damian Lillard's uh, sister was called overweight in an exchange or something to that effect. And she, she was getting at it with Paul George's wife, I believe. And she said to Paul, and she basically you know, brought to light that Paul George has uh, gotten uh, another woman pregnant before who may or may not have been an Instagram model she was. Um, and there's an embarrassing but excellent photo of Paul George online blowing a kiss to a woman's ass on FaceTime. An ass which is not even that big, by the way. Um, that is an excellent so blow a kiss to it? <laughs> that is an excellent clap. Look, I've never done that on FaceTime. I'll just see you in person to handle my business. Yes. Under, just... un- understood. Doesn't need to be that public. That's a fair point. Yes. Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, Damian Lillard's sister wins that round. Just like I think Damian Lillard wins this round. Um, I think that Damian Lillard has- was it around? Was it was it even around? I, I hear what you're saying. I'm saying I don't even know if it's around. I'm with you. I just don't know if it's around. But go ahead. Damian Lillard to me has just proven more than Paul George has. Um, Paul George has gone deeper, has gone deep rather into the playoffs with Indiana, memorably conference finals against Miami, whatever, whatever. That was a long time ago, and he had a good. Really good defensive team around him at that time, if you remember. That was when Roy Hibbert was still an all-star caliber big man, although, yeah. you know, the numbers don't sort of reflect that. But if you just watched how he would mess with guys who wanted to drive into the lane, change shots and all this kind of thing, like Roy Hibbert was excellent. David West being on that team was great. George Hill was an effective player. And there are some other guys on the Indiana team. Hell, they beat the 54-win Knicks, and that was a damn good series that I thought the Knicks should have won if they had played the way they should have played. But we'll get to that on another podcast. Um, Damian Lillard, especially in recent years, has just proven a lot more. Last year, they got to the conference finals, by the way, in the Western Conference, not in the East like Paul George had what seems like ages ago. And Damian Lillard, again, has had the last laugh of sending it home. And I love his response, Damian Lillard's response to this. He He's one of these guys where he usually can, says can, the right can we, all, can we also, for the con- purpose of context, can we also talk about what... Paul George has done the last two years in not getting out right, of the first right. round. That's so we point. also talk about how it uh, was that game five last year against the Blazers. He's what two for three for 18 or four for 18 or something. And has what single digit points while Russ showed up, but he did not. Um, so I'm not, I'm just saying lately Paul George hasn't shown up in the playoffs and lately yeah. Damian Lillard has. 
and get it to what Damian Lillard said. He basically said, and I'm paraphrasing, like this is what they oh, expect. I, oh, I got, oh, I got the quotes here. Okay, you got it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know I come prepared. We don't want to shortchange yeah. Damian Lillard on this. And I have a hip hop comparison for this too. Ooh. Oh yeah, that's right. You PG. I, I want to hear this. Okay, so here's my comparison for this. Now, let, let me actually let me read this first. Yeah. He talked about so they waved at him after he said PG did the wave because he was also surprised about the missed free throws because he experienced being waved at last year. Asking me about Patrick Beverly, who I sent him home before at the end of the game. Paul George is the guy sent home by me last year in the playoffs, so they know. The reason they're reacting like that is because of what they're expecting from me, which is a sign of respect. And it just shows what I've done at a high clip more times than not. I'm not offended by it. If anything, it should just tell you how much it hurt them to go through what I put them through in those previous situations. After I missed the first one, I heard them over there yelling to me. That just shows what they expect from me down the stretch. They know what I do, and he saw it firsthand when I was a second-year player when he was in Houston. So I'm sure he has a great memory of that, talking about Pat Bev, which is why that drew type, that type of reaction from him when he saw me come up short at the, at the end of the game. Uh, so after all this, it went to Instagram, as Brian said. Beverly posted Cancun on three uh, with three laughing emojis, and then Paul George commented and said, and you getting sent home this year with a crying laughing emoji and a fist next to the word respect. Lillard then replied to George by pointing out how the Clippers forward requested trades from Indiana and OKC to play with Westbrook and Kawhi Leonard. Kept switching teams, running from the grind, you boys is chumps. Let me tell you my hip-hop comparison for this. This might make Brian feel a little bit of a kind of way, but I feel like it's it's, kind of true. Yeah. This, to me, is takeover versus ether. Okay? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to tell you why it is. I'm going to tell you why it is. Let me tell you why it is. Takeover versus Ether is a fantastic, greatest battle in hip hop history, and this is this is not the greatest basketball in basketball. So it's that battle in basketball, way one sided. But here, way but here here's this the thing: is, this is like cannabis. Remember the remember the yeah, but, cannabis this versus whatever cannabis had. I don't remember what he had. That's what's bad about it. Eminem versus Everlast. Here's the thing: Paul George and Westbrook, not Westbrook, excuse me, and Beverly. They're coming with just insults. Kind of like Nas did in Ether. They just come with insults. Dame Lillard is coming like Jane Takeover. He's coming with straight facts. And I've always I'm argued... Takeover with facts, really? Yeah, it's facts in that. One hot album every 10-year average is I mean, not a fact. I mean... Like, according to Metacritic and all that stuff? I mean... And the reviews? He's falling off. It's, 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 a little, it's hyperbolic, if you want to say. But that's not the fact I'm talking about. How he owned it first. How he paid first. Publishing to him and all that stuff, that is factual. But that's a that's a whole other story. My point is, Dame's coming in with facts. He's talking about stuff he did. These dudes are talking about how they're in their feelings about what he did to them, but won't acknowledge that, right? And so it's not the level of takeover ether, but I think there's something to, I respect when people come with the facts. You can't just be talking nonsense. You can't just spew stuff out and clown people against people who've done something good. Right? You don't, you don't think Nas would have whooped Jay's ass in a karate class? No. <laughs> no, I haven't thought about that. Wait, at that time? I gotta think about that for a second. Maybe. 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 I think that, I think Ether has more facts. Than, not that that's one it's of them, but facts. I think Ether has more facts than we're, than we're giving a credit it's for. More, it's we can more. save that for another Okay, day. my point is they're coming with childish <laughs> insults like Cancun on three, and we're going to send you home. And Damian Lillard's looking at them like, but I sent you home. Here's the thing. The Clippers better stop messing around because Portland, like Portland's here. 
Like, I, I don't, I'm not going to get crazy and say that I could see a scenario where they're getting all the way to the finals. But yeah, I'm not I think far. I think they can beat any team in the West. Outside, I would pick them, rather, to beat basically any team in the West outside of the LA teams. Maybe Denver, depending on how they look by that time. However, would it really shock me if... Dame Lillard, C.J. McCollum, Yusuf Nurkic, Carmelo Anthony, Gary Trent Jr., uh, Zach Collins, etc., etc. If all these guys were to give it to the Clippers in the series and beat them in a series where, one, there's no home court, home court advantage, and two, let's be honest, the Clippers really haven't gotten it together the way they, that we thought that they would this entire season. Like okay. they've, been, they've been not underwhelming, maybe that's a little strong, but they have not been nearly as dominant as we thought they could have been. A lot of people have the have them above the Lakers even still in terms of getting to the finals. And to me, they haven't proven that they're better than the Lakers overall. They've proven that they're a good matchup for them, but they're not a given to even get out of the first round, in my opinion, not in the West. I, I don't disagree with anything you said there. I, and I think that they need to be very careful about how, how they're talking. It makes you wonder, even if they don't play Portland, are they just being too cocky? I think that's that's fair because I think when I do think Damian Lillard makes some really good points here that they do respect him. He has been in their head. They do remember what's happened. So they were so shocked that he missed those free throws. We all were shocked that he missed those free throws. But here's who I wouldn't bet against in the playoffs, Damian Lillard. Yeah. I'm not gonna bet against him because he's done he's done it time and time again. And I do think Paul George and Pat Beverly, eh, y'all kinda gotta shut up a little bit on this one. Especially Paul George. Especially Paul George, George, what have you done on this? Dame Lillard hit something in the face. We saw how salty you were last year. Because all this stuff makes you look is more salty. That's all it does right here. You got Jade in the eye last year from 35 feet, and you talking about it was a bad shot. And it's like, no, this is Dame. Dame Lillard does this. I think we said this on podcast last year. Dame Lillard does this. He yeah. shoots from 35 feet. That's not a bad shot for Damian Lillard. There's only two people that's not a bad shot for. Damian Lillard and Steph Curry. That's yep. not a bad shot for. So to yep. say that shows me how salty you were. And we could talk about your game five where you were like three of 18 or four of 18 or whatever the hell it was. I heard him talk about this on first take and they were debating this. Paul George is more to prove in the playoffs. The Clippers, to your point, Brian, have a lot to prove because they haven't shown exactly what kind of team many people have touted them to be this year. And, you know, I think the Lakers have some question marks and stuff right now. But I think to be mouthing off at this point, unless to this point... You can't really call him the Nas in this situation, even though that wasn't my point, because you don't even have the track record Nas has to come back with some ether. Where's your ether, Clippers? You ain't got no ether. And here's the thing. I don't know how Paul George can, quote unquote, win this, if you want to even put it that way, because at the end of the day, he's the B, Mike, on that uh, Clippers team. Damian Lillard's uh, the A. You know what I'm right. saying? So that's it's right. like, even if... Let's say they have the series or whatever happens and the Clippers win in six. What did Dame do? What did Paul George do? You can't even put those two things against each other because one of them dudes has CJ McCollum as his best teammate. And the other one has arguably the best player in the world in Kawhi Leonard. Check your own videos. You always be number two. Jay-Z Lyric. Talk about Mace. That was an old sneak disc back in the day. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember that too. Yeah. I mean... He is the second fiddle. I think that's a great point where on Dame's team, he's looked to be as the man. He's led Portland. He's counted on to do that. Now, you could say people maybe want to see more out of Dame or be a better, a more all-around player. There might be an argument. We, we honestly don't need to see more out of Dame. Dame we don't. Right? He could be a little better for defensively. His, for, like, yeah, well, I mean, but it's hard to say because, like, but that, 
But he I'm sorry to cut. Carries the load offensively. Yes. How much defense could he really play? Fair. If he's not, you know, how much playmaking is he going to really do if he has to create? You know what I mean? So it's like if you're taking away one thing, it could be the other. I don't know. Fair he's point. basically He's basically modern-day Gilbert Arenas if everything broke right. Yeah, he's much better than Gilbert Arenas because everything didn't break right for Gilbert Arenas. But right. <laughs> to your point, you could, it's fair to take all that you just said and say more should be expected out of Paul George because he has more uh, a better all-around game or better all-around talent, we could say, Super right? Talent, yeah, right. was a top 10 pick out of uh, Fresno State after only two years of college, not after four like Damian Lillard was. So, yeah, there's, there's fair... Uh, it's fair to be said. I mean, look, I like when things get a little spicy in the NBA. I like when we can get a little beef, but uh, I think I think Paul George and Pat Bev need to be quiet. Now, uh, one matchup that we were kind of looking to see in the bubble that just came about before we wrap up here and move on is Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren had some beef back earlier in the season. Jimmy Butler had blue kisses to him and circled the date on his calendar or Instagram. The next time they're supposed to play, which I believe was a week after the NBA League shut down, I think they were supposed to play that third week in March. Didn't happen, but now they're playing. They played once this week. They'll play another time this week uh, in the bubble, and they played in the first one. Miami got them uh, in, in, in got this game. Them. But TJ Warren's also been given buckets, so what did you Just make that. of that? What did you make of that thing? So, uh, one, I'm disappointed a little bit because they didn't play each other that much. Now, to Jimmy Butler's credit, he guarded TJ Warren, not the whole game, but he guarded him way more than TJ Warren uh, guarded Jimmy Butler, which was almost never. I don't even recall seeing are you him more say, than a are, couple are of you times. Saying, are you saying T.J. Warren didn't want that smoke? Here's the thing. In the times that I've played basketball in my life, which is a long period, I'm talking about organizing the streets, tournaments, whatever the case may be, all throughout like New York City and stuff. If anyone called me a pussy, I'm guarding them the entire game. Period. Don't care. Granted different rules you know you have coaches you're vying for a playoff spot and for all intents and purposes this game was ostensibly for fourth place in the east because now miami has a game and a tiebreaker on indiana so now indiana's basically two games out they had the same record before whatever whatever but i'm just saying if somebody calls me a pussy and this episode basically about pussy if somebody calls me a pussy i am guarding you the entire game all right, I'm guarding you during timeouts. You know, like, and that's happened before. Like, anytime I've gotten into it with somebody, I've guarded them. I don't care. You know what I mean? They must so I'm so annoyed. So annoyed with you. I'm very. I'm very annoying. I was ve- I'm very annoying. <laughs> very annoying. Defense. What a shot! The listeners are like, we're not shocked. Yeah, I was basically like Patrick Pass. Beverly, except I passed more. You know what I mean? Like I was, I wasn't as much of a spot up guy. I don't. I hear what you're saying. I want to see the dudes go at each other. Now, 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 here's the I'm other. not surprised it didn't happen. That's all I'm saying. Me neither, because basketball, like, at that level is a little bit different. But I am disappointed that we didn't see that and the people didn't, quote, unquote, get what they want. Now, I think that some of the things that are going on in the bubble right now are a little bit overrated because of where we are in the season. Let me explain. One, nobody's really playing defense like that. Miami did today because Indiana only scored 92 points. But for the most part, nobody's really playing defense like that. That's one. Two, DeMontis Sabonis is out. Victor Oladipo is not really Victor Oladipo. Somebody has to kind of carry the the load. And TJ Warren is the best scorer on that team left over once you get past that. And when I see what Devin Booker's doing, when I see what TJ Warren's doing, it's very impressive. But this period 
is a very small sample size and doesn't mean much to me yet until we get to the playoffs. And we're still in the bubble. Maybe that affects guys a certain way. Clearly, TJ Warren's been working. Devin Booker's been working, uh, whether it's mental, physical, but they've been working out certain things that they've needed to work on in order to get to this point. I just need to see it for more than an insanity period of time. That's just what I'm saying. And because of that, I wasn't going crazy for what TJ Warren was doing. And today he goes five for 14 with 12 points is a minus 11. And on the flip side, Jimmy Butler, while only shooting five for 13 from the field, here's the thing. You shoot five for 13. And if you make nine out of 11 free throws, all good go. with that. If the well, shot's not go. falling, just go to the, just how, get often, to the how often did TJ Warren get to the foul line in this game? He got to the foul line zero times. Yeah. Five for 14, two for six. By the way, he had seven of those shots in the first quarter. So that tells you that the rest of the way, he weren't you really. He shook. He shook. I saw a lot of times, and I remember before in the second quarter at some point, he was like five for 12. So he, he was pretty done. Like the whole second half didn't really do anything. There are plenty of times that I looked up and the times where Jimmy Butler was guarding TJ Warren, TJ Warren was just standing in the corner. Jimmy Butler was the closest guy by him, and he was trying to play the passing lane or whatever the case may be. By the way, getting back to Jimmy Butler's stat line, 19 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 steals, 1 block, and as I mentioned, wow. 9 of them in front of the free throw line. So That's good nice without shooting. Miami. Yeah, good all-around without game for Miami. Well. Good win, big win, because they're probably going to be 4th in the East, which means we, we're going to see these teams most likely in the playoffs given the way things are going elsewhere in the East. Well, the one thing I'll say before we get we wrap this up, this part up, is look – I think, you know, some of this this uh, hostility that we're seeing, I didn't, you don't know how real that is, but I'm all about this if there are playoff matchups down the road. And I like to see TJ Warren may have a chance to respond later this week. We'll see if he plays better there. But look, anytime there's a little uh, animosity in the NBA, I think it's good. These dudes yes. got to see each other. And now it's different. You got to see people in the bubble. You can't yeah. run like that. You can't wait till the next time on the calendar. And you got to be like Kyle. You see Kyle Lowry like the other night where he, I forgot who he's beefing with. He's like, yo, come to, come, come to my room. My room. He's in my room. It's 836. You can come. You know where I'm at. And that's, yo, he knows right where he's at. Because so, I, I just want to know, is somebody going to have some real beef and be like, yo, I'm just waiting right outside. Yo, down in the lobby. What's good, son? Down in the lobby. And on top of that, if I'm Kyle Lowry, like, dog, I got my ring and I'm on the Raptors. We just beat the hell out of Milwaukee again. I'm feeling myself. We might get to the finals again. And by the way, they might be my finals pick now to go to, to come out of the East. That might be interesting. We might <laughs> we might be doing that. But there's a lot of good stuff to look in the NBA. Uh, playing game, we're guaranteed one in the West, will be coming uh, this weekend. We'll see if there's more beef. Any more beef before the playoffs? I welcome it. I, I hope we can get Portland versus Phoenix, although mathematically that's unlikely given the standings. But I would love to see that be the play-in game, Portland versus Phoenix. I'm here. I say, I'm going to sound like Brian on this when it comes to the playoff game. The last thing I'll say is I'm hoping for all anarchy down to the last day. That's what I'm hoping for. Give me the, give me the anarchy. No positive test. No positive, no positive test. We want there. Nothing, <laughs> not that anarchy. Not, not that anarchy. <laughs> not that one at all. All right. A lot of good NBA action still to come. One time for your mind, some interesting stuff going around in the world of news and everything this week. Uh, I know Brian has something that he's excited about, and uh, his uh, background might have been a giveaway from the start of this podcast of what he could possibly be excited about. And I will say, this man has been... I'll say bothering me. That'd be harsh. 
has been going back, <laughs> has been going back and doing a re-listen of certain albums, particularly Nas albums lately. Um, of one I did the other day, and it was still as awful as I thought it was. So it wasn't that much different. But that might it was not Thomas. Let's mention that. Trash. Every, yeah, I love not I love I love you, but no. Well, he even admits in a in a in a, in a mixtape shortly thereafter that Nostradamus wasn't one of his hardest, but still sold a million copies. Um, yeah, I, 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 I participated in that. Yeah. For whatever. <laughs> See, I never had the physical uh, album uh, in my lifetime. Yeah, I don't um, know. I don't know where that is. For good so reason. So we're gonna. So we're gonna get to this. Um, August twenty first is the date. Apparently, Nas posted that he and Hit Boy are dropping something. Doesn't say what. I have every reason to believe it's a project. So does the world, apparently. A lot of people are speculating that. The way the rollout seems to kind of be, it doesn't appear as if it's only going to be one song, although I'm just mentally preparing for that just in case because you don't want to get your hopes up too high, especially because, you know, Nas is a busy man, although probably less so now given everything that's going on. I am a big Nas fan, as you people know. Uh, Dexter is as well. Name of the podcast, gives it away, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We both have him in our top two ever in terms of favorite and best MC ever. Um, he is dropping a project with Hitboy, let's say. Hitboy, interesting choice of producer, I would want to say as well. But when you go back and look at the production discography, Hitboy has a lot of hits. Backseat Freestyle probably being one of his more notable beats, one of my favorite beats ever probably from last decade. And one of my favorite Kendrick songs from what was a great Kendrick album. So uh, Hit Boy and Nas collaboration coming soon. And when that happens, we are going to have a full breakdown, especially since there ain't much else to talk about in terms of music these days. There aren't a lot of people dropping projects right now, although other than what we mentioned earlier in the show. Yes. But, but, you know, this is something that I'm very much looking forward to for obvious reasons. And I hope, and as I tweeted out, I hope that we get Life is Good Nas, not Nasir Nas. You know what I mean? Like, I hope that we get somebody who's very introspective. And I think that on a serious note, his voice is somebody that we should have at this time. So I do hope and believe that he'll address some of the things that has been going on because he's talked about a lot of this throughout his entire career, even from Illmatic on, about some of the stuff that we're seeing sort of be pushed to the limelight now in this country. No, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued in, intrigued to what Nas has say. I'm hoping, I think my hope is that this is a full-length project. We got the EP with uh, Nasir. Um, when's the last time you, revis- you visited that, Brian? When it came out. <laughs> so yeah. it might- and this is what Dexter was alluded to at the top of this. I have been going back, kind of like how people re- you're rewatching The Wire. A lot of people rewatch and re-listen to their favorite things. I'm going through, and I started this recently, going through Nas's albums in order just to see if I could update my ratings or whatever. I plan on doing this with The Roots. I plan on doing this with Jay Z when I get to that. Uh, Nas, I'm up to Hip Hop Is Dead, and I have not done Hip Hop Is Dead. I'm actually going to do that after we record this. And I'm soon going to get to Nazir, which I have not heard since it came out because it is my least favorite Nas project. So uh, we'll see. We'll yeah, see what happens. Which is amazing. That I still tell Brian it's not below Nostradamus. Maybe I have strong feelings to how I felt about that drop in the 1999. Uh, yeah. So I that's... Think you have, yeah, I think, 
I think you have personal personal scars with. But this. I think a lot of Nas fans of my age have personal scars with this, right? Like I think that yeah. they do. Um, no, I'm I'm excited for this because look, it's been a while, and I, and I know Brian feels me on this because we want a full length Nas project. Yeah, We're ten that. songs, twelve. Ten songs, to twelve songs. Get you know, it could be thirty six to forty minutes. We don't care. We want a full length project. Uh, I'm with I'm with Brian that I think that the reason it should be better than Nas here will be a lot because I think of maybe the focus involved around a producer in this time. And I don't think I would have said this 10 years ago that I would have bet on Hit Boy and Nas Project being better than the Nas and Kanye Project. I don't <laughs> think I would have bet my money on that uh, back in 2010. But here we are in 2020, the year that it is. No, I'm excited for this. I'm excited to hear what Nas has to say. I hope this is part of this Nas album done uh, that we thought this was going to be. We knew Hit Boy was supposed to have some production on that. That is true. It's still crazy to me Nas hasn't dropped that album since he had a whole New York Times article on this where you sit down and peaches. Unless this, and, is, unless this has become it, which we don't know. We don't know. Um, I, I, I like that Nas just, you know, listen, the, the legends who've been out, just drop your stuff, man. You ain't got to have this long rollout. We don't need no single. You telling us two weeks before on an IG post? Dope. I saw it. To, when Perfect, Brian, it's right? funny because Brian sent it to me, and I was very busy today. So I'm like around doing a bunch of stuff, and I just did not look at my phone. And I saw he sent me something. I saw it because I was like, oh, he sent me something from Nas. I was like, I'm going to check that later. I'm actually glad I didn't check it earlier when I was doing what I was doing. When I saw it, I was like, yeah. I was like kind of yeah. hyped. So I'm ready. Look, man, I'm always ready for some Nas. Uh, it's been a while. When Nas and Jay drop, I'm always excited, and I'm always excited to see how they've they, they've reinvigorated their game. As far as Nas goes, anything he's spit on lately, um, features and stuff. You know, you know, I was just bumping before this podcast. I was bumping Echo, which I still forgot how much how, how dope that was with Swizz off his album Poison a so couple good. years ago. Um, so May I Eco feature he did earlier this year yeah, is good God, also. Uh, Godfather Four with Dave East late last year. Yeah, man, uh, good feature. So, no, I'm absolutely excited for a new Nas project. It's about time. Uh, it's been a long time since Life is Good, um, underrated yes. Nas album. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm ready, man. It's just, uh, the, the, the Nas fans are ready. All right, yeah. for, for me, for one time for your mind, I don't – Brian, did you take a look at – I don't know if you – I don't know if I brought this up for you. Have you seen Hamilton? Did you watch Hamilton on Disney Plus? No. Okay, no, you did I not watch not. Hamilton. Okay, as a hip-hop fan, I think you should watch it. And I will say this. I am someone who does not like musicals. I do not care for musicals. <laughs> that's why I have Musicals so practically I have annoy me. You know why they annoy me? Because there's a whole bunch of yap, yap, yap. Let's just break in a song for no reason. I just don't really feel, I just don't really care for it. Now, the thing I like about Hamilton, Hamilton flows really well. It's just music after music after music. And a lot of it is hip-hop based. A lot of it is hip-hop and R&B based. So if you like that, it's very different in what it does. Now, there's criticisms of it, things you could nitpick here and there. But I think the performances are really good. Now, I wanted to go see this for a while uh, on Broadway. I did not get to see it. One of my former co-workers, I remember a couple years ago for her birthday, she got to see it, went to see it with her husband, told me it was dope, absolutely loved it, right? They both loved it. So, you know, I always want to see it. Watch it when it dropped. I believe that was July 3rd when it dropped. Watch it on Disney+. Plus. I've watched it twice in its entirety. Yes, I've actually went back to watch a musical, which is something nobody ever thought Dexter Harry would do. That's how good I think it is. It's really good. Some of you have watched it more than me. I'm not going in that far, but it's really good. And I would encourage hip-hop fans to definitely go check it out. Brian, I actually think you would appreciate this. 
Now, I don't think you're going to go watch Mary Poppins or something tomorrow, but I do think you can get down with this. Now, and there's one more thing yes. I want to add to that, actually, now that you bring that up. I do remember listening to some of the Hamilton mixtape that mixtape. dropped a few years ago. Ah. And I remember in 2016, there was a song, speaking of Nazis, in this song yes. with Davies, a little black, and my guy, Lin Manuel Miranda, who's Puerto Rican. And the star, and he, the star of the show. He went nuts. Yeah. He went crazy. Well, on think. This song. Well, if you wrote my way out, wrote really my good. way out, which which is which is um, a kind of playoff of a song in the play called um, "Not Going to." Well, there's actually a song about writing his way out in the play. I actually forgot about that. Now I thought about that. So it's an extended version of that. Now, if you were impressed with Lynn's pen on that, um, you should you will be impressed on what he does because he wrote every song in this in this play um, musical. Every song. So when you see the different elements of hip hop that are used in this, I think as a fan, you're going to like it and you can appreciate it within the historical context. Now, one Disney of the people, you said, huh? Disney Plus. Plus. Do you have Disney right. Plus? You don't have Disney Plus right now, right? Yeah, yeah. I oh, you have well, Disney I have Plus. Ac- I have access to it. I have oh. ESPN Plus. I just gotta, you know. Oh, do the bundle it. thing. Got you. Yeah, yeah. So the reason I bring this up is the, one of the guys in the in the film uh, who played Aaron Burr, the antagonist to Alexander <laughs> Hamilton in this was played by Leslie Odom Jr. And I particularly liked Leslie Odom Jr.'s performance. But I came across an article, actually a friend sent me this article, and it was a headline from Yahoo Entertainment where it says, Hamilton star Leslie Odom Jr. almost didn't do the movie over pay equity. And he had a quote that I felt was really good. And it's something that Brian Fonseca talks about a lot. You gotta know your worth. We had a whole podcast on this. You gotta know your worth. And I'm proud. Right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm proud of Leslie Odom Jr. for this. And he had a quote that really stuck with me. He said, If my black life matters, make sure I can take money home to feed my children. And I was like, "Mm." Now, here's how the thing pretty much went down. He talked about this on Dak Shepard's Armchair podcast that he was in negotiation for a salary and about what they were going to do to film for Disney+. Plus. Now, everybody has to remember, Hamilton has been insanely popular for the last couple of years. So yeah. when Disney probably came to them with the opportunity to, to film it, like they didn't know exactly how it was going to do, but the demand to see the play was pretty high. So you knew it was going to do kind of well to some degree. Leslie Odom Jr. was pretty much like, look, I want to get paid. I want my money. I'm forgetting the actor it is who was on Glee, but uh, Grease, excuse me. Uh, he asked them, CAA, his representation, he said, what does Aaron Tavit make on Greece live on TV? And he said, I want exactly what that white boy got to do Greece live. That's the bottom line. He wanted to be paid what he was worth. He knew exactly <laughs> what he was worth. He knew the popularity of Hamilton. And I applaud him for standing up and doing it because it's not easy for everybody to do it to say, hey, he also said, if you don't pay me this, I'm going to walk. So there's something to be said about Disney possibly undervaluing the members that were of the Hamilton class cast. Now, obviously, this uh, Hamilton has been wildly successful in terms of not just in there being on Disney Plus. Uh, the weekend it debuted alone, downloads of the Disney Plus app were up 74 percent over its previous weekends. So that shows you just how much of a strong power it was in people wanting to see Hamilton, right? And I'm glad he bet on himself. And I'm glad he knew his worth. And I just wondered, I thought it was just interesting. I was glad to see somebody in another sector of entertainment and art and saying, you know what? Nah, I know what I'm worth. You're going to pay me what I owe. And look, there's a lot of people of color fighting for this representation in terms of pay equity in many different industries. And I think that's why I brought it up. It is not just theater, right? Where there definitely is a lack of representation. And shout out to Lin-Manuel Miranda, who 
put together mm -hmm. a brilliant cast, mostly of people of color, and showed some diversity in it. Um, so they're showing the stuff that can be done there, but there's also still a need for pay equity. And he wasn't just happy to be there. He wasn't like, oh, well, I just made it to Hamilton. I'm going to just take whatever it is to be on Disney+. Plus." He exactly. knows that this is going to be wide-reaching and people are going to download and watch it over again. He went to get his money. Yeah. Salute, Leslie Odom Jr. We, we, we appreciate you knowing your worth and taking it, you know, when it was opportune for you to take it. And right. that's and that's that's all that matters. You got to know your worth. You ne never settle for less. Never settle for less on that because the instant you settle for less, as somebody told me a long time ago, that's when they got you. And you don't want to get God out here. That's yep. not, not, in, not in these work streets. You don't want to get God at all. At all whatsoever. All right. That's it for one time for your mind. We are looking forward to that Nas album. Should have a lot more than that in a couple of weeks. Should be very interesting. Uh, that's it for episode 141 of the A Hard to Tell podcast. Please make sure to subscribe, leave a review wherever you listen to our podcast. Be sure to do that. Also check out uh, Patreon. Be sure to check out our projects, Side Hustle by Brian, Sideline Stories by me. We gotta let y'all know out here. It's award season. We we yeah. we racking up these nominations, man. You got it's gonna be laurels everywhere. You're gonna see the laurels everywhere. I'm just letting y'all know. And we might have some podcast awards to talk about too. It's not just that. We're not we're not stopping. I'm just letting people know. It's a award tour, man. Award tour. Like the legendary tribe called Quest Song. Award award tour. That's what we're on right now. So we, we thank you for your support. Uh continue uh support and we will be doing more. But that's it for episode one forty one. Of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast for Brian Fonseca. I'm Dexter Henry. Until next time, y'all. Peace.